Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker, and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights, and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hello and welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast. This is Gavin Preston, your host, and welcome to the first episode. I'm delighted to have been joined by Jason Dunlop uh, from Xena.com. Now, Jason is a specialist in uh, cyber uh, resilience, cybersecurity, and digital resilience. He's a fascinating man to talk to because earlier in his career, he had a senior level uh, position in a university and um, was trained in crisis management and got to silver command level uh, in that skill set. He also has been a volunteer for the RNLI for many years, having been a helm on Penarth uh, lifeboat station in the Vale of Glamorgan in Wales, in the UK, and then now he's the Lifeboat Operations Manager. We had a fascinating conversation, a discussion about resilience in business and in personal resilience, leadership and culture, decision-making under under pressure, and then the need for digital resilience in your business. Uh, I think all very apt and uh, pertinent topics uh, in this day and age. So I'd like to jump straight into the interview with Jason Dunlop. So Jason, hi, thank you very much for your time and coming uh, to join me on the podcast, the Business Mastermind uh, podcast. Uh, today I'm really excited to uh, open up a topic about resilience, specifically business resilience, personal resilience, an area that I know is of uh, your expertise around digital and, and, and cyber resilience. So to, to get started, do you want to give a bit of a background on who you are, your role? I know you've had some really interesting leadership uh, ex- uh, experiences and training and I'd just like to give the listeners uh, a bit of a perspective on who you are and the leadership roles that you've had. Uh, so uh, I'm Jason Dunlop. I'm the Director of Growth uh, for Exena Limited. Uh, in my volunteering world, uh, I'm the Lifeboat Operations Manager uh, for Panath Lifeboat Station. Uh, and I've been a water incident manager for the Ironalyzed Flood Rescue Team for the last 10 years. Fantastic. I know that uh, previously in your career, when you were working within a university and you were on a university uh, sort of leadership team, you, you were trained in incident and silver command. Do you want to say a little bit about <coughs> what that involved? Yeah. So critical incident management and uh, interacting in both bronze, silver and gold command decision-making uh, is a process that uh, we're trained in or have been trained in uh, to be able to work with other services and organisations um, and to help support decision-making processes in times of crisis. So from my point of view, there's some uh, no doubt excellent lessons around leadership. But before we get into some of the insights that you may have had from that uh, work in Silver Command, work in uh, the Flood Rescue Team and as Lifeboat Operations Manager previously when you were helm on the lifeboat, I'd just like to dive into resilience. And I think it's a really important topic at the moment, what's going on politically and potentially what will happen economically over the next couple of years. Um, and for me, one key area around that is digital resilience. In, so can you explain a little bit what we mean, or what you mean by the title digital resilience? So uh, I personally academically find this quite an interesting space. So to me, we now live in a digitally reliant world, a world where everything around us uh, 
and everything that we do is reliant on a digital environment. Uh, our phones, our homes, our cars, uh, the way we shop, what we shop, how we spend is all driven by a digital uh, medium. And so for us to understand how we survive, how we uh, maintain and how we grow in a digital world uh, requires us to think about and plan through scenarios of um, uh, setup, through scenarios of maintain, <clears throat> through scenarios of grow and scenarios of respond, what we do when things don't go to plan. And so resilience is the ability of an organisation to respond to uh, threat actors, uh, and I would include those threat actors to be growth uh, or decline, uh, and your ability to respond to those challenges right. is resilience by definition. Um, and a resilient person, I think, is someone who can look at a situation that faces them, analyse it, and have the ability to think, focus, grow, and move in a on a consistent way, and a key quality of leadership in its own right. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what do you find? Sorry, digital re resilience specifically—is this something just for large corporates, or is this something equally as relevant to a small business owner? So, I think that that's something for business owners themselves to assess. Right. Um, and it's very interesting, isn't it? I mean, I work in spaces of cyber security and um, cyber intelligence and uh, the dark web right. and all of those sorts of spaces. But I, the test I often give business leaders is if you lost your phone or a JCB cut through the electric and broadband supply to your business, have you thought about how you could continue to trade? Now, to me, yeah. that's digital resilience. You've yeah. removed the things that we use every day, electric, communication. How have we thought about how we could run our business on that? So I call that the JCB test. It's Brilliant. quite Love quite it. straightforward. But yeah. it is important, in my mind, that every business thinks about what do we do if we lose those important infrastructures that we've become reliant on. Yeah. So... Presumably in the past that might have been called disaster recovery planning, but we're just looking specifically around the the digital aspect of our business. So our, our software systems that we use, our connectivity to our customers, the data storage, cloud storage, and what we would do without that connectivity. Are there, are there any other areas specifically? Of course, the other element of that, particularly in a cyber landscape, is the ability to understand threat. Right. And to assess threat. So yeah. that could be cyber threat, that could be internal threat, threat from staff in leaking data or, or data going missing or error, yeah. those three elements. You know, 80% of all digital-related issues are caused by staff inside your business. Right. So actually thinking about what your threat landscape is and documenting that and having a plan to respond to that builds your level of resilience where disaster recovery is about what's happened when the things that you have or haven't planned for actually have an impact on your business and so resilience to me is covers the plan the do the understand and the response 
So obviously you're aware of a lot more of the range of potential threats, given what you you, you do for a living and the people that you you're exposed to. Um, what do you? What about what you don't know? So that the, the average business owner or person, lay person in the street, their awareness of the different range of threats is surely a lot more limited than, than yours. So is, it, is there a kind of a checklist of the kind of threats that they need to consider, or where could they get checklists from? So, so uh, I mean, the, if you do a a very basic read through things like cyber essentials, it's a government standard yep. for most businesses. Very, very simple processes. It's the start of the maturity of your business from a cyber perspective. But clearly that covers cyber security. You then have risks around general data protection regulations. Yep. So the simple steps on the, the ICO's website in terms of understanding the very basic things that you need to do to start your GDPR maturity. Right. And, and, you know, m- big areas that are growing at the moment are payment card industry data security. Right. So organisations which take transactions on websites or over phones in call centres buy credit cards. Yeah. Th- those are all covered by PCI DSS. And then remembering all the time that regardless of how big a castle you build, it's always going to be the training and development of your people that will make your business resilient. And what specifically can you see, have you observed or have you noticed that can go wrong with the, the people component? Is it, is, it, is it connected with engagement um, and and motivation and morale? Um, I suppose a long way around of asking the question around what systems you need in place or processes you need in place to make sure that the soft system of the people don't undo what you might have done around the digital resilience that you put in place. So this is a really challenging piece, isn't it? Because actually what we're hearing is in people motive. So yeah. it really amuses me when we talk about cyber security that people have a picture of the threat being a person eating pizza, drinking bottles of Bud with a hoodie on at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> on a computer. Yeah. And and the experience is somewhat different. Right. So, you know, who normally attacks a business is someone who's got an issue with that business. Yes. So that would be a disgruntled member of staff. Yes. Somebody who is thinking of leaving or moving on, normally because they're disgruntled or they want advantage. Or someone who is, I'm going to use the word ignorant right. of risks. Okay. So um, the the motive for that is so spread. Uh, and a, a, a classic example is a, a agro um, technology company who um, was doing a uh, an experiment on using geofences, so satellite driven fences, and they placed a small tag on uh, each cow and basically as it reached the geofence right. the cow got a very small electric shock okay M- mind you smaller than an electric fence right some children in a school next to that saw that and were horrified that cows were being electrocuted and so they hacked into the systems of the Androtech company wow and opened the gate and walked the cows out of the field and down into the high street all using the technology of the agro-technology company. And so the threat actor in that space to that business was a group of children who'd grown the paradigm that animals were being harmed and they were going to use digital skills to prove a point and make a difference. And so the 
the threat actors in a business can be so complex that it does need time every now and then to step back and to think what are our threats and then what are our opportunities. So through training our people, making them more digitally savvy, improving their ability to use technology, that people process and technology element starts to kick in and your business starts to digitally grow. And that's really what we all want to achieve, isn't it? So if we let just pick a stage further down on that, um, the people side of that then, what are the qualities that you would need in the leadership of that business to make sure that those threats are appreciated and responded to, or planned for and responded to? So I think um, leadership Britain's got to wake up a little bit. Mm. I think we are still very Victorian in the way in which we run our businesses. Yes. And actually, the world has changed now. It's changing at such a rate that it is hard for a lot of people to keep up. And so, number one is you have to accept that the world is changing at pace. You have to have a strategy for that change, for predicting that change or trying to predict that change and then responding to it. And then you have to lead your people through that change process. So identification, good communication, good behaviours and leadership styles. You know, mm. It's fascinating to me when we do um, C-level engagements uh, in businesses that we will go and do cyber threat intelligence and phishing tests. And I can always guarantee that the people who will fail those tests first are the board. Amazing. Without doubt. Because of what? Because that's somebody else's responsibility. Right. It's the IT manager's responsibility or it's the marketing manager's responsibility. And my responsibility in their paradigm is to run the business. Of course. Everybody is responsible for everything else. Yes. And that doesn't work in a digital world. No. Because the information is coming to them. The classic um, whaling attack that takes place, one of the best stories I've heard in this space is where you receive an email from... You have a finance, your, sorry, your CEO will say, please pay this amount, it's Friday afternoon. And one of the best stories I heard about this was uh, a finance department who actually rang their CEO on a Friday afternoon. They said, we've had an email from you. And the CEO said, yes, to do to make a payment. And he said, well, I send you lots of uh, uh, instructions to make payment. And they said, the reason this one looks a bit odd is you said thank you at the bottom. <laughs> and you never say thank you. So with this is different. Did you ask us to make this payment? And it turned out to be a whaling attack. Wow. And the only different reason that they'd spotted the difference is that the email was written politely. Yeah. And to me, that actually started to think then about this piece around where does resilience and leadership... Absolutely. I've actually, in an organisation I worked in, I... Uh, and I was filling a, an FD role, I, I, I received that same format of email. And yep. uh, it, it was it was some of the personal touches around the CEO would never have would never have written an email like that. Um, it, it was it was uh, the if you clicked on the from email address, it actually had his name, but you clicked into it and it was a spurious email address underneath yep. that. And then also, um, it was like sent from iPhone or something like that, or, or, or no, sent from a Samsung device, and I knew he had an iPhone. There were, there were, other, there were several cues, but it was so easy, you could see that in a very busy finance department, to get an email that's apparently from the chief exec, some of those could get through, get passed through the net. 
But it's interesting, isn't it, that the planned response to that threat is a phone call. Yes. So it's not technology. No. It's, hi, Gavin, I've just had this email from you, and because of our procedures and the risks that our business... Did you want me to make this payment? Yes. Very, very simple process that say could save organisations millions. Absolutely. So having dual authentication of activity yeah. is the way that you you beat the cyber criminal. And that has to be our objective because the challenge with those attacks is that, you know, when they happen, the email comes in, the payment is voluntarily made by the business. There is no recovery of those funds normally because by the time the business audits their bank account, the criminal has gone into uh, And they're getting more sophisticated. We we had an experience of uh, individuals' email uh, account being hacked. They tracked an, uh, an outgoing invoice to a customer and um, they then sent other invoices with different bank details on. It was only because one of the directors that sent the invoice happened to ring up and said, oh, did you get my email? And the lady at the other end, the customer said, well, yeah, but I'm a bit confused because you sent three. And the bank details are different on the other two. Yeah. And he went, well, I've got no knowledge of that. So they get, the, the cyber criminal, criminal is getting more and more sophisticated, aren't yeah. they? So I've just done a piece on making tax digital. Yes. And, and I've done some thought leadership for the accountancy world in that. Well, you think come the 1st of April this year, everybody is going to be receiving and sending digital information about their taxation. We've been advertising it for months. Absolutely. So we're all expecting emails from HMRC saying something. And I can tell you that most of those emails will be cyber criminals at work. Right. So because we're all expecting it. Right. So it's it's absolutely hot for a criminal to say, well, I'll just put my details in there. And how would people protect themselves against that risk? Give them a ring. Right. So easy, isn't it? We, 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 the world of criminality works on the basis of human behaviour. Right. And so, uh, you know, going back to, to how the world works, a burglar will know that a number of back doors in houses in the street will be open. Yes. So a, a criminal, cyber criminal will know that if he sends a thousand emails with HMRC, 10% of them will be paid. Wow. So it, it's a, it's a human behavior play. Right. And that's where, and sorry to repeat it, but people process and technology yes. starts to make sense. You break the cycle, you break the ability of the cyber criminal to make a difference. Again, um, that's all more linking back to engagement of the individuals, isn't it? The, yeah. Uh, that, that shocking statistic that less than a third of your workforce are actively engaged in your business and there's two-thirds that are either disengaged or actively, uh, or sorry, ambivalent or actively disengaged, you know, well, brings us back to the importance about creating a culture where people feel respected, um, appreciated, and with strong leadership. And it's how you spin it, isn't it? I was in an organisation the other day and they gave their staff a £20 voucher for every cyber incident that they spotted. Right. So it was a turned what's a threat into an opportunity. Brilliant. Great psychology. 
Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. And rewarded staff for being cyber proactive. Yeah. Wow. What a what a fantastic bit of leadership that is. That's someone that's looked at that activity, analysed it and said, how do we get people on the front foot with this? Yeah. And that's what we need to do in business, isn't it? We need Absolutely. to be proactive and plan for these scenarios. Um, we talked about digital resilience, and uh, for me that links over to a bigger part picture about business resilience. Do you have any thoughts or respect, uh, uh, you know, insights around what businesses can do to be more resilient, particularly if we may have some economic turbulence over the coming years? So the thing for me is how much of this don't we know? Right. So my belief in my world and the leadership and incident response training that I've been given has taught me one thing that there is a gap between re and action in reaction. Right. And the gap is thinking. Yes. So we know Brexit is coming. We don't know what's going to happen. So we could think about what the possible outcomes are and we could plan for it. Funnily enough, that fits with government guidance on Brexit. We know that there will probably be some price rises as a result of Brexit. So we can reduce in our budgets, our gross margins based on that activity. We can probably reprofile our spending if that's necessary, or we can increase, look for the opportunity and go. You know, it strikes me buying ferries might be a really good thing to do at the moment. <laughs> Slightly topical, but, yeah, yeah. but there are opportunities in every situation. Yeah. The secret is to go and find them, isn't it? Yeah, and to have that attitude that there that, that, that are actually opportunities there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what advice could, in, in the thick of it, you know, human beings can, unless trained otherwise, can be instantaneous in their response to to a threat or a perceived threat, you know, that basic fight, flight, or rather in the headlight, freeze. What tips can you give to help create more of that gap between the re and the action, that thinking space? What? Well, to me, it's... Um I think the first thing is, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I really encourage people to think about this. So, you know, you go to work in the morning and the photocopier doesn't work. Yes. What is the worst thing that could happen? And then how do we instill that um, in our team? So how do we get managers not to react, to gather information, to ask people about solutions rather than problems, to use the collective thinking of a business to engage in solving problems, rather than throwing hand grenades and creating uh, situations where leaders look successful. In my experience, they rarely are. So the ability to buy time, gather information, and then make a plan and execute, to me, are the most important elements. So for one of the gems in there for me is there's the assumption that there is always time to stop and to think. Yes. Right. I, I think everybody, you can think and run. You don't have to stand still. Yes. So you look at, you know, some of our most successful uh, perceived organisations, the military, where the, the elite element of that military yes. will run at targets but as they're running at targets, they're thinking about how they're going to attack them. Yes. And it is that ability to say, sometimes it's time to stop, but sometimes we need to be able to do this on the move. So right. let's 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 do that. But the objective is to move 
and to gather information to make decisions. Yes. And at what point are we going to make that decision? And then once we've made the decision, we're going to do it. Yeah. The, the challenge for me in business is that we are so frightened to make decisions that actually standing still is our biggest challenge. In my world, to, to keep moving and to keep trying is the success rather than standing there with a plan, thinking about what might happen, because it will. And so if so an individual is scared of making, they're hesitant to make this decision because they're scared if it's what well, it's the wrong decision, what advice would you give in that moment when they're, they're, they're paralysed by their own indecision? So let's, let's look at um, leadership and decision-making. Yeah. But I find this fascinating. So let's understand what a wrong decision is. And a wrong decision is a decision that's evaluated in hindsight. Right. It's only wrong in hindsight. Yes. It's never wrong at the time. Okay. Because we don't make wrong decisions as humans. We do things because we believe they're the best things to do. Yeah. I haven't met anybody yet unless they are doing something deliberate, which is wrong, who has made a decision wrongly. Right. They always do what they perceive to be the right thing. Yes. So at the moment in time, you gather information and you make a decision. So to me, one of the things about a successful organisation and one of the voluntary organisations I work for has a concept of lessons learned. They don't do things wrong. They learn lessons. Great. And... And I think that is probably one of the single most powerful things that I've learned out of everything I've done. When you get people in a room and you tell them they've done something wrong, you get a reaction. Mm. And we know what that reaction is. When you get people in a room and you say, that hasn't gone how we want it to, if that happened again, what would we do differently? That's learning. And of course, the situation I think you're referring to is is the RNLI when you're yep. doing, you've got crews at sea in incredibly, cha- can be incredibly challenging dynamic circumstances. Yep. And there is always, or there would always be more than one way of getting, you know, completing a safe rescue. Yeah, or not. Or not, right. And, and that's, that's the, how you uh, get to a position where you uh, uh, evaluate dynamically before you do. Yes. So that's not about writing reports or filling forms out. That's about having either a conversation with yourself or a conversation with a huddle of people and saying, what are we going to do? Yeah. Gathering that information and then saying, right, we're going to do that. And then while that's going on, constantly evaluating what's changing around us and revisiting that discussion. Right. So are we still okay? Yeah. Shall we continue? Yeah, right, let's move forwards. And this is going on all, all the, the time, time. constantly yeah. with the crew when they're out on, yeah. on, on, on a rescue. And, and the beauty of that model is it shares responsibility. Yeah. So everybody's job is to be looking for risk yeah. and everybody's opportunity is to look for the opportunity to make a difference. Yeah. So you've got those built-in checks and balances that um, nobody's taking unnecessary risks. Obviously, they're, yeah. out, they're out there to save lives, but you don't want to threaten the lives of the crew. Absolutely. And dynamic risk assessment and in you know high risk scenarios is just constant. Uh, fighter pilots do it, uh, police do it, fight, all of the emergency services do dynamic risk assessment. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then accept 
that in hindsight that might be wrong, but don't punish people for it. What they do is they have a hot debrief at the end of that situation. They ask questions and, and respect honesty amongst their peers and then see what can be learned. And it moves an organisation a thousand miles in terms of the removal of blatant cultures, the removal of you know politics in business, because actually hierarchy doesn't matter. Right? It's then about what was the right decision for us to make at that time. And the lessons that we can take forward from this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, so that ability to have a, as a leader, to analyse what's going on and to do that faster and faster and faster and faster comes with practising that analysis. And then the decisions that come out the back of it. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, it, it, and I think that's what gives you resilience because the other side of that activity of knowing that you're questioning and driving, questioning and driving, is one of your considerations is your own capability. So at what point do you need to say, I can't make those decisions? Right. It's very interesting, isn't it, how leaders in business will very rarely say, I can't make a decision on this. What's the view of my team? Right. No. And, and most people would look at that in most organisations and go, has he lost it? Right. Whereas the reality of that is a very honest position where you say, there's so much going on here, I need someone else to do this for me. So talk me through that. And indeed that's really the much. leadership model, you made reference to the elite military, so yeah. leadership model, elite military and of course the emergency services. Yeah. Yeah. So what's everybody else thinking? Share with me what you're thinking. That drives my thinking. We'll make a decision. Right. And and it's... Certainly not a sign of weakness on behalf of the leader. Well, I think you'd find that the people who work for you feel as though you respect their views. Sure. And the highest way to move your view of your people's, of you, is to ask them their position. Help me help you. It's a very classic model. Yeah, yeah. And, and very effective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how do you take some of that emotion out of it, that that fear-based emotion? Maybe in a business there's a, a PR, uh, something that's blown up that's caused in a PR challenge. Um, there's 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 been, I don't know, Land Rover, Jaguar having to recall 40-odd thousand vehicles. That's not a good day at the office. Some people will be getting concerned, maybe even fearful for their own role. Um how do you help people to stay calm so that they can think clearly and create that pause between re and action? So none of the things that you spoke about, I would argue, happen quickly. Good point, yeah. So the situation I think as a leader is as a leader, when you are faced with a challenge, is that you need to scenario plan. Right. You need to say, right, so I might need to make some people redundant. Question, um, what are the other alternatives? Right, so if we then need to do that, the moral, ethical and right way to do that is to help those people the very best way the business can and can afford. Absolutely. So we start to talk about changing people's lives rather than ending their working lives. Yes. And, and I think the, the challenge often is that we think we have so much to do 
and we are in this constant world of receiving information digitally, that actually what we do is we don't stop and consider where we are. So, you know, I would say how many business leaders sleep with their phones in their rooms? Probably virtually all of them. Yeah. And I would say buy an alarm clock. Yeah. Move your phone away from where you sleep. Because? Because your phone is connected to your working world. Yeah. So you never leave your working world. Right. It's with you all the time. So actively make a decision that you are going to not do that. And and people say, well, there might be an emergency in the night. Well, if there's an emergency in the night, in my experience, the police will come and knock on your door and that will wake you up. Brilliant. So how you control that is, you know, I carry a pager. I'm on call all of the time, but I leave my phone downstairs. My pager stays in the room with me. Yes. But I'm used to living in a world where I've managed the fact that it might go off to I will respond when it goes off. And that thinking is completely different because I've analysed that actually that little box makes a noise about 70 times a year. Yes. And there are actually 365 days and 24 hours in each of those days. Yes. So being able to off-risk your mind is an important part of my resilience to be able to wake up and respond at time. So... The, the message in there around personal resilience is being able to have that downtime to recharge and yeah. also not to be carrying a level of heightened anxiety or yeah. like because you're, you're not going to bed at night thinking I could be woken up by the pager going off at 2 a.m. or whatever time. You're going to bed thinking I'm going to have a good night's sleep. Yeah. And then if it does go off, then I'll deal with it then. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, isn't it? What do you go looking for? Is always my view, and and I, I, I this is a, maybe a bit of a a gift for today. If when you receive an email, you think you're going to have problems, you will always look at your emails negatively. If when you look at your email, you think that could be our biggest order coming in, yes, then you look at that in a completely different way. Yes, and and to me, what we haven't understood because we haven't had time to evolve as human beings is how we process digital communication into us. So a couple of thousand years ago, we'd have been upset at people throwing spears at us. Absolutely, yeah. We now see emails and text messages and Facebook as people throwing spears at us. Right. And how the emotional and physiological response... Exactly. So we have heightened environments. What? What's? I don't agree with that spreadsheet. I don't agree with that document. Why are we dealing with that HR? Those are all people chucking spears at us. Yes. If you change that mindset and remove that risk from you, then you know you can work in a different way. And clearly, if you're in a high-risk environment, you normally work in shifts. So nuclear reaction plants have shifts of people who are on duty, and then they go home. So if you are in a business that you feel is very high-risk, you need to put a management regime and mechanism in place that manages that so that you can go and rest. Right. So there is no scenario, in my mind, through planning, where the leadership team can't rest. And the penalty if they don't rest? Poor decision making. Yeah. You know, the worst thing in the world is a scenario where 
you have quick response, poor quality decision making. Yeah. So less is more that time to recharge, that time to rest, to, to literally switch off from whatever work is, is critical for high performance at work. Absolutely. And it's critical for personal resilience as well. And maybe encouraging it in your people. Brilliant. So looking at someone who's emailing you at two o'clock in the morning and maybe having a chat with them the next morning and saying, did you really email me at two o'clock this morning? Why were you working at two o'clock in the morning? Yes. Oh, well, I woke up. I'm under a level of stress. Okay. Well, let's deal with that stress. Should we go and solve that now? That's leadership in my view. Yes. So identifying an outcryer and, well, that might be a cry for help from an individual. Of course. Yeah, yeah. You know? So spotting those patterns is important. Fascinating. Uh, and any other thoughts? That's a real gem. Around, well, two things there. One about time to to switch off, essential for resilience. But also, what are you go looking for in, in in the email? Are you looking for positive news and uh, an opportunity, or you're looking for a threat and emotional response? Is there any other gems that you can offer around personal business resilience? So, well, I still believe that. Positive outlook is the way forwards. I, 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 I don't believe that there is such thing as a negative experience. And I can say that from dealing with situations where people have life-ending activity through to businesses that have gone and lost. You know, I've lost businesses yes. myself. I can say now that I've had time to understand and process that, that that was a learning Absolutely. activity, that that made me a better, more resilient, stronger person. And if your makeup, if you are lucky enough to have the makeup that says, well, come on then, what have we learned? How do we apply it? Let's move forwards. Then you can do that easily. If your personal makeup is one of more flee than fight, then you have to plan for that even more. And right. you might need help support friends, colleagues who who need those, you know, that support yeah. to take you through that thinking process. So my thought is get to a position where you look at everything as an opportunity Brilliant. and then apply it. I think that's fantastic. Uh, what a great point to, to end on. You know, if people uh, want to follow you, uh, want to connect with you in any way, are there any sort of social media channels that they can follow you yeah, on? Yeah, so at Jason Dunlop on Twitter and LinkedIn profile as well, you know, you'll find me. Uh, and, you know, I'm really happy to chat to people. And in the area of digital resilience and cybersecurity, is there, in terms of the, the, the work hat on, is there, is there a website? Yes, yeah, so um, uh, www.exena.co.uk is the work uh, yeah. environment. Exena spelled. X-C-I-N-A. Great. Yeah. Well, Jason, thank you very much for your time uh, today. And uh, that was a fascinating conversation about resilience, leadership, and uh, digital uh, and cyber resilience in particular. Thank you very much. Thank you. This episode of the Business Mastermind is brought to you by the Evolve Mastermind. The Evolve Mastermind is a business mastermind for business owners of businesses turning over between 500,000 and 5 million per annum. Their monthly events provide you with solutions, strategies, inspiration and insights to help you scale and grow your business. Each month there's a hand-picked speaker to provide you with relevant strategies plus time to mastermind with other business owners on issues that are facing you and your business. 
with groups in Chelmsford in Essex and Manchester in the Northwest, and more locations planned, go to www.the-evolve-mastermind.co.uk. That's www.the-evolve-mastermind.co.uk. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.